Another Bite, hosted by John Dick, Jory Monroe, Leslie Green, and Ariel Boswell, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Now, this show is really cool because each week they break down episodes of business television show Shark Tank, offering their own unique thoughts, discussing the spinoff companies, the critiques, and even talk with some of the folks who pitched to the sharks and live to tell the tale. Another Bite takes a fresh look at some of the most loved episodes and even answers what these entrepreneurs are up to now. I really enjoyed their most recent episode, How to Build a Customer-First Community with Glow Recipe, The Lip Bar, and Savvy Naturals. In this episode, Ariel, Leslie, and John break down Glow Recipe's customer-first community building. They also talk about how The Lip Bar overcame Mr. Not-So-Wonderful's name-calling and why the sharks and the Savvy Naturals Natural's cap table woes could not stop its love story. So definitely check this out. It's a really interesting. Listen, listen to another bite wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here, back with another awesome episode of Side Hustle Pro. And today in the guest chair, I have Ehime Ekbe, the founder of Sweet Kiwi, an award-winning woman and minority-owned, better-for-you CPG food brand, which is whipping up the frozen dessert category and reinvigorating the space through uniqueness, nutrition, functionality, and taste. So a uterine fibroid diagnosis led her to a greater understanding of the power of food. She then started to change her eating habits and delved into learning more about different ingredients that support our body's development. Sweet Kiwi was born from this labor of love. She has led the Sweet Kiwi brand as it launched the whipped Greek yogurt she formulated in her kitchen onto the shelves at grocery stores. It can be found in the Whole Foods Market, Walmart, Kroger, with products in just under 2,000 stores. And in today's episode, she shares how she started this brand while working full-time, how she delved into the restaurant industry for a bit to really get a sense of the food space, the pitfalls she's made along the way, and how she is raising money for her business and continuing to grow. I love this episode. I consider this a masterclass episode. So let's get right into it. All right. All right. Welcome. Welcome to the guest chair. Can you quickly just introduce yourself, who you are and what you do? Hi, my name is Ahima Egbe. I'm the founder of Sweet Kiwi. Uh, Sweet Kiwi is a frozen dessert company. Uh, we make a delicious with frozen Greek yogurt that bridges the gap between good for you, functional nutrition and great taste. Uh, you can find our products in grocery stores across the country. Awesome. Awesome. You know, as I was getting ready for this interview, I realized I have tasted your yogurt. You sponsored there. I went to like this food festival type of thing back in like 2018. Yes, um, I forget the, yes. the I forget the venue, yes. but I remember. Yes, yes, yes. It was yummy. Yes. Mm-hmm. So tell me why frozen yogurt? Like what attracted you to this particular product? Um, so at the time I got started, I had, I was diagnosed with a uterine fibroid and I was wow. looking for ways to eat better. And I did like a complete like meal haul. I just felt like I could eat this by just eating better, getting more nutrition. Mm-hmm. I really struggled with the dessert part of things. 
just because I'm a big sweet tooth, it was hard to get through my days without some, you know, something sweet. Like I'm a big chocolate eater. Mm. I love my ice cream. <laughs> and I would always like say, oh, it's Sunday. I could just have like one little pint of something, you know. And, you know, but I had to start holding myself accountable. Mm. I'd go to the grocery stores, try all the ice creams, you know, the light ones, the healthy ones. I would take one spoon and then it'll be in my freezer for the next two months. <laughs> So it's cleaning day and then it'll end up in the trash. And I just thought that there could be a better way. Maybe I could do, I like Greek yogurt and I thought, okay, maybe I could use Greek yogurt because it's high in protein. So something, right, right. my focus was more around nutrition, just getting more nutrition. And if I could do something that had like a high protein content, less fat and frozen yogurt was kind of blown up at the time, but then I would go to the stores as well and it'll be low fat, but like crazy sugar. Mm-hmm. You know, so I wanted to do something that was a great balance, really low sugar, great tasting still, but had like some really great nutrition. And I was making this stuff in my kitchen. I had like a mini like churning thing wow. and I started making it and I would take it to work and my friends really loved it. And that's basically how we got started. Nice. Now, when you got started, you were primarily thinking of just creating something for you to eat. You weren't necessarily thinking of creating a business. When did that shift? Um, I think the shift happened, you know, one day my boss was like, you know, you could do this as a business. And I was like, hmm, that was kind of like a, a moment for me, like a spark where I was like, me? Like, yeah. I, didn't, I never saw myself as a business owner, entrepreneur. I was like, I like getting like a paycheck every two weeks. I've never really <laughs> thought beyond like what I was doing at that time. After he said it, like it kind of stayed with me. I kind of dismissed it when he said it, but it would come back to me. Like I'd be asleep and those words kept haunting me. And something just told me like, step out, try, you know? So I started, I, w- I got a job working in the evenings at, the, at a restaurant. You know, I would just just try to learn how to even like go about like running something you know, being in the food industry. So I would get out of work. I used to work for Citigroup. I would get out of work. I would go work for um, a company in the evening, like a restaurant, just getting to know how like you operate. Because I was thinking of opening like a yoga shop. Okay. So I just wanted to understand how do you even run like a food shop, you know? And so it was crazy because I would be at work at seven in the morning, get off work at five, be at the restaurant by six and work till midnight. Whoa. You know, and then be back home and have to be up again at like four or five, you know. But then at some point, I realized the best part of my day was that six hours in the evening at the restaurant, meeting new people, just, you know, making the food. Like that was the best part of my day. And I wow. had a great job. Yeah. And that was the, the, the point for me. The minute I identified and I realized that this was the most exciting part of my day, that was when the shift happened. It's so crazy to me. Like, I've never heard that before. First of all, your boss telling you you should start a business. That is really supportive. How did that come to be? Were you you actually brought it to work and said, hey, taste this? You know, I would just generally bring my food to work. But because I started meal prepping before we all used to eat out and I had a really close team, like even till today, like most of my teammates are like, we're really close. Yeah. And I would bring like my lunch to work. We used to have potluck days. 
you know, but I would also bring my dessert and my friends are like, oh, what do you bring today? And, you know, they're just kind of like, oh, can I taste that? I would make like some okra. I would make like okra soup. I'm sure which you know, yeah. this American Nigerian. I make my little okra soup. I would make my little, little different things. And then it's dessert time and I'll bring out my little yogurt and they're like, hmm, what's that? <laughs> Um, and so that's how it all it all started. Yeah. And in my job also, we had like different people who would bring stuff to sell. I okay. had a friend whose mom would make empanadas and she like, oh, everyone's like, put me down for an empanada. You know, put me down for. <laughs> I remember. For, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I've seen people do that too. Yeah. yeah. And then what was also something else I don't think I've heard on this show is you identifying like, hey, if I want to get into this world, I need some more exposure and deciding to get another job. Most people are just trying to leave their one job. You get a whole <laughs> other job, <laughs> have even less time to do the side hustle. So how long did you do that? And at what point did you start tinkering even more in your kitchen to create what is now Sweet Kiwi? I did that for about six months. It was the craziest time. I was always tired. I can imagine. But I was always so excited as well. And I think that was the realization for me. I'm tired. I'm supposed to be complaining mm-hmm. and I'm supposed to be trying to quit. But every day I was so mm-hmm. excited because I was learning and I was just getting more knowledge. And I was so always so excited to go to work. And one day I just told my friend, like, this is like the best part of my day, you know, and that's saying something. I would do the restaurant in the evening. I would do my job in the mornings. And at some point I realized I'm going to do this. I'm going to take it seriously. I went and registered the business and got my business registration. And I started, I kept working. I kept trying to find out how do I make this product better? Mm-hmm. Um, so I found out about Penn State. I went to Penn State to, to do ice cream manufacturing. I did like a dairy processing course as well. Just trying to figure out how to make the best product. I started traveling across the country going to meet ingredient suppliers, equipment suppliers, and just putting together a business plan. That is so, like, this is so inspiring. I mean, you were mm-hmm. identifying things you probably didn't even know exist, right? Like, oh, this dairy course, and mm-hmm. just truly get into the core of what does it take to make this product. And because you were working full-time, I'm sure it wasn't cheap, but you at least, mm-hmm. you know, you could invest in yourself because you had your full-time job. And it's also from learning from other people, like podcasts like yours as well. Like I li- used to listen to podcasts and I remember yeah. listening to a podcast where the founders of Ben and Jerry's had said that they went to Penn State Ooh. to learn how to make ice cream. And I was like, oh, Penn State. And I wrote that down and, <laughs> and I reached out like, oh, let's see, what does Penn State have? And, and yeah. that's how you start to grow and you start to right. find information. So listen to podcasts, like just trying to find out what information is out there, mm-hmm. finding people who've done it. And figuring out how did they do it? How can I do it? And it's not about copying them, but just understanding what the options are so you can find the best path for yourself. So I understand that you open physical locations in Nigeria. Why did you start there? And what was the first step there? So I was about to open a physical location in Dallas. I literally worked with this machine company. I'd worked on the product. We were literally about to find a lease and open up. And then my brother was getting married in Nigeria and I had gone home for the wedding. I think it was my cousin, my brother, one of them, but they got married like very close to each other. Okay. I was in Nigeria at the time and just thinking, and if you've ever been to Nigeria or you, I'm sure you kind of can relate to this as well. At that time, I was such on such an intense diet mm-hmm. and it's not a diet. It was a lifestyle of just eating better, very low carb. I'm in Nigeria and every event we went to at <laughs> the wedding was all rice, rice, 
Right. And I still remember my cousin bursting into tears at the party we were at because she saw like a tray of rice coming out uh-huh. because we she, she was just like, I, and I was like, oh, what happened? Did someone hurt you? And she was just like, I can't, I can't do another plate of rice, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it just clicked to me. Like this was a market that had no inkling about how to even eat well, mm. you know? And I definitely saw an opportunity. There was only one ice cream store in the country, one in the country, in, in Lagos in particular. We wanted to go get dessert as a family. That was the only place available. And I didn't eat that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, I've not been home in a long time. I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't have any friends in Nigeria. All my friends were either in London or in the U.S. I, it was such a disconnect for me. Like I was supposed to just go for the wedding and go back home to my life. Mm-hmm. And I just found myself thinking about what if I open here? And I've always loved to travel. And for me, it was like just to experience something else. Was it? daunting at all because you had been living in Dallas. So even though that crossed your mind, was it at all terrifying to think about just completely switching gears and deciding to open somewhere else? It was, but the thing was, it did feel right. I felt like I'd not kind of lived in the same place as my parents in what, almost 20 years. I just not been around them. Like I was there and things just started to feel right. And I kind of wanted to explore what this could be. You know, and I'm someone, I listen to my instincts. I listen to how I feel. I listen to my gut. If it's telling me something, I've always been a traveler. Like I've always been the kind of person that could pack up and go live in another place. It was scary. Packing up to live in another place is different from packing up and going to start a business (laughs) in a place where you know no one. And especially when you've never run a business before. So Nigeria was in fact really scary. It was very daunting. And at that time, I was even a different person. I was not the kind of person who's going to be reaching out to you to say, hey, I have this business. I was in social. I was a very quiet person, very reserved. I didn't know what it was all going to be. I just had an instinct. And it just felt right. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to go start this thing. And I went and it just started working out. Now, when you moved, how long did it take you to find a location and open up? Three years. Wow. A long time. So it didn't just all start falling into place. <laughs> no, it was the craziest thing. I would, I got there, we were supposed to do a tasting event just for people to try the product. So right. we pop, we did a pop-up at this marketplace called Espas. They would have like a monthly marketplace. And we were giving out samples and people started fighting over the products. And people come to me, oh, I, I want you at my wedding. Uh, and someone literally paid me right there and then to do their wedding. And I was like, wait, people would pay like so much just to have like this at their wedding. And mm-hmm. it clicked like, oh, why don't you start doing that? Because it's a way to get money. Okay, so that's how you started getting money. And at this point, you had already created the physical product, right? You had like packaging yeah. for it and all of that. And no, we didn't on... have packaging. It was just oh, the no. product. Just the product. It was just the product. So we oh. would put it in these paper cups, uh-huh. kind of like a regular store, right? And we just started like, you know, I was just giving out, you know, the little samples like in a yes, yogurt shop. Yes, and yes. Like, that's what we were doing. <laughs> Oh my god! We were just giving out samples. I just wanted to know what people thought about the product. Yes. And that day we booked our first event, like a wedding. 
Um, we did this wedding where we catered for like almost 500 people. Yes. It was a big hit. We got more people calling us for more weddings. And before I knew it, we were creating this catering business. That is awesome. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, people wanted to have the new, new, like, oh, this hasn't Maybe, been at a yeah. wedding before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they haven't exactly. seen this. <laughs> it was like really different. And before I knew it, like we were catering, not just like weddings. We were doing like corporate events. We were working mm-hmm. with like banks. We had a partnership with LV and Main True. We were creating flavors for Moet and Chandon, first click Cole, uh, Belvedere Vodka. We worked with Pepsi, Coca-Cola. It just really took off wow. um, at some point. I mean, it did come with a lot of work, a lot of reaching out to people. Like when I first got there, because I didn't know anyone, I would just, I remember I had this Blackberry. So I would just send out messages about Blackberry well, if you have a party. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, it's really shy to go out there and just yeah. like, but I remember running out of money. Ooh. And as I started to run out of money, it was like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And was was that initial, the initial money that you had for the business, was that all yeah. savings or had you done any fundraising for that first start? It was like my savings, my 401k. Uh-huh. Um, at that time, no one even knew what like fundraising was, what mm-hmm. like VC investment, like we didn't have those conversations. Like I'm so jealous of entrepreneurs who start now. Yep. Because you know those things from the jump. Like I was literally using my phone 1K to start this business. Wow. And what year was this? Was this 2011? This was 2011. 2011. Yeah. yeah. Different, different time. Just you saying BlackBerry. I'm like, yes, I remember the BBM <laughs> messages. <laughs> so you started the process and it took you three years to get a physical location. But once you got that location, what was that process like? Oh, Another crazy process. I remember we got a location. We had paid. I didn't even have the money to pay for the space, to pay the landlord. Wow. And I remember calling my uncle to borrow some money. And this is an uncle I never, I probably never spoken because I didn't live in Nigeria like that. I grew up in the UK. Then I moved to America. So I, there was this disconnect, you know, but I needed money. And my mom was like, oh, call him or, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, practicing praying. And like, finally, you know, but because I wanted it so much, I called and I was like, you know, so I can't remember what he told me, but between him and my mom, I got the money and then I paid for it. And then two days later, I was told by the landlord that someone made a better offer and I had paid like 10 million naira for like five years. And I was like, so good at like, just so disappointed because I was so excited. I thought like, finally, this is going to happen. And after that, I just like packed up myself, came back to the U.S., so heartbroken. Wow. So wait, did they take your money and then say, oh, but we got a better offer? <laughs> or did you get your money yeah, back? He, yes, he did. <laughs> okay. He was like, oh, come pick up your check. And I was wow. like, what? And, you know, mom kept telling me, this isn't, it's not yours. And I'm like, don't tell me that. I really yeah. wanted this space. I really wanted this space. And I came back to the U.S. for a while because I was just so heartbroken. And then finally, I kind of called myself, you know what? You're doing really well with catering. Go back and focus on that. I came back and we were focused on catering. We were doing some amazing stuff. We were working with Pepsi, doing like massive concerts, 5,000 people, growing really well. And one day my mom calls me and she's like, I saw this place. It's on a Maida Street, kind of. <laughs> Because he had a back entrance, but the back entrance was on a major street and you were going to have to open it up. She was like, yeah, no one's doing that yet. And I don't know if we're going to be able to get a permit for that, but I think we should go talk to the owner. 
And so we go there and I'm like, mom, I don't want another heartbreak. Like mm-hmm. I, that was too painful. I don't know yeah. that this is for me. It's like, just like, let's go. Mm-hmm. And we get there and I'm like, of course, it has a sign saying for sale. I'm like, I can't afford this. It's like for sale. And it's like 90 something million. Like, who ha- I don't have that. Yeah. And Naira. my mom's like, let's just go talk to the owner. We go talk to him and he's asking all these questions. He says to me, but how much do you have? And I'm like, I, you know, over the, I have a savings of like 10, you know? And he's like, if you give me that and we have a contract, you can pay in installments, I'll give you the fees. I was like, this guy is just trying to scam me because no one does this. Like, this uh, is for sure. But I don't know. We just worked out. We paid him the money. We were doing the installmental payments. He gave us the key. And that was how we got like the permanent space that we have now. And so how long did it take you to open it? Maybe about six months. We did okay. the fit it out. We had a company to kind of fit it out. And we were able to launch like March of 2014. And I remember the day we opened, it was like, it just blew up. If you're anything like me, your 2023 is probably off to a busy start. As a leader, it can be challenging to align your teams on a shared mission and goals for the year. But with HubSpot CRM, you can keep your marketing, sales, operations, and service teams in sync on one powerful platform that grows with your business and leaves your competition in the dust. Capture leads, boost sales, and engage customers all from one powerful platform. Tools like a unified contact record, help desk automation, and customizable reporting make it easy to unite your team around a single source of truth, which means you can spend less time managing your software and more time connecting with your customers. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. so important to you to have this physical location what is it about the experience of the frozen yogurt experience that you wanted to bring to Nigeria I just wanted to create like I remember how I felt the first time I walked into a frozen yogurt shop it was all joy I was like what kind of place is it I still remember my friend Nancy from work um she would always say to me I'm gonna have some yogurt for lunch I'm like lunch like why <laughs> and she's like and one day she drags me with her and I'm like what kind of place is this it's so bright it's so pretty you know I fill up my cup I'm walking I'm like no 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 my two sisters are not gonna let me enjoy this so I'm gonna fill up other two cups <laughs> you know it was just that feeling of joy I wanted to recreate like just being in a space that just like you know fills you up and just you know gives you that sense of wonder and you get to choose your toppings and you just it's like exciting it literally is like being a kid in a candy Mm -hmm. store just feeling that excitement of i get to choose i get to pick and it's as much as i want kind of a thing absolutely like and that's what i wanted to create and being able and i was so insistent on that like every time with the contractor i'm just like no i know what i'm trying to do and this is what i want to create for people and we just, I, I still remember the launch. I was tired. I was exhausted. I was worried it wasn't going to work. But I think we blocked out the whole street. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Nice. But also what came to me in that day was like all the work we had done for the last three years paid off. Because we had built like a fan base. Yes. We had built so much partnerships. Like Moet and Shandon even sponsored the launch. 
because we're built partnerships. We're built like so much community, you know. So we opened and we had so much support, so much. Nice. The location that you were in, was it a location with great foot traffic? Like after the launch day, did you have to work on getting people in there or was it a place where people were naturally in the area and would see your store? Well, we were on a major street, so that helped. But typically that street hadn't really blown up with like a lot of stores. Now it's something different. Yeah. But as soon as we opened up, everyone realized like, what? This could be a major high street. And everyone started opening up right next to us. And and I guess because people saw how well we were doing as well, like we were packed out all the time. What was the process of creating the actual yogurt? In terms of coming up with new flavors, was this something that you were able to do in Nigeria as well? Or were you doing that work partially abroad and then bringing the flavors over? No, I mean, we were doing it in Nigeria. One of the exciting things about doing it in Nigeria was Nigeria is so blessed with so much fruit and and vegetables and just like really things that are unique to Nigeria. So it was really exciting for me because I got to take like local fruits and local things and make like really unique flavors that were unique to Nigerians. And that's what they loved about our products as well. One of the advice I got before I moved to Nigeria was act global, but think local. Ooh, yes. You know, and so I had to really put my mind in the mindset of like the Nigerian consumer and not try to push my American experiences or my foreign experiences on the consumer. And I think that translated really well. So now that you had a physical location, was the financial piece of starting the business starting to get a little bit better? Was the profit good for, you know, now you have overhead and now you're paying people. So how did you manage that part? I think that it was great. Uh, We were making a lot of money, but also I would say at that time, it was really hard. And I also made a lot of mistakes as well, which is okay because I'm new to this. I think we were doing so well that I thought we need to open more stores. But we didn't have the funding for that. So everything is self-funded and cash is really tight. We would save up a lot. So obviously some things were suffering, but we were so focused on growth. And that's, one of the things I learned, like sometimes you have to make sure the foundation is solid before you build on it. Say that yeah. again. So you opened a second location, though. So, um, we opened a second location in like a mall and it cost us so much money to do. Wow. It was another like really beautiful space, great experience. But the truth is we didn't have the funding. So we were stretching our cash flow to do that. So stretching your cash flow is so many things are suffering. Yeah. How did you overcome that? Or is it something that you're still working through? I'm definitely still working through it. Uh, We opened another location. We ended up with three (laughs) physical locations. And also going back to understanding the market, something that I later understood was the market was every time we would open a store, we weren't adding new customers. We were cannibalizing our current customers. So that was the biggest learning. Nigeria is a place where there's only like a 10% of people that can afford the products that we were making. And kind of like opening more stores around those people meant you're taking customers from the one store and splitting them in three stores. But we're investing. And the whole point of investing is to bring on new customers, not to cannibalize the customers that we already had. You are preaching right now. You are teaching a lesson. You are teaching a lesson in expansion, in planning. 
oh my goodness, this is so interesting. And then through all of that, like at what point did you decide to come back to the U.S. and start to look into getting onto grocery shelves? Like, so you're, you're switching the business model a bit now. You're going from physical locations to packaging and replicating that experience, but on grocery shelves. I think we're coming to the U.S. We had a miscarriage. So I got married. I met my husband in Nigeria. He okay. was from the D.C. area. He was filming The Apprentice Africa in Nigeria at the time we met and we got married and we were pregnant with our first child and I had a miscarriage and I was really yeah. ill for a long time and I was in the, in America and, you know, just going through a depression, working through all of that, trying to figure out how to grow the business, how to basically solve all the problems that we were having. Right. Also, Nigeria had a new president and economically we weren't doing well either and that also was affecting the business. So I was in this new space. We had moved to Virginia. And honestly, I really wasn't thinking about business. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was just in this really confused state mm. of like, I just needed time for everything. I just yeah. needed to figure out like my pain and I needed to figure out all the stuff that was happening inside. And I think I started to also be burnt out because it's a lot to go yeah. a business like that. Three store locations were doing so well. I mean, at that point, we're done over almost $5 million in revenue and just like growing in so many demands as well. And I couldn't take it. I wasn't mentally in a good place mm -hmm. to lead a company. I couldn't even lead myself at that wow. time. So I wasn't in a good place. So I was just in a space where I was like just sitting and just trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. And it just happened. Like I was walking down the street in Georgetown, came across this place that said closing over shop coming soon. And I just thought, you know what, let me go in and figure out if they'll let me come test recipes here. Maybe it'll be something to do. So I'm not sitting at home and getting more depressed. And I went in and the person was like, oh, I know you. And he was like, I did some research into closing other companies and you came off and he wanted me to partner on building out this store in Georgetown, which wow. I did. But in the process of doing that, it reminded me of why I love doing what I do. You know, so it brought back like my reason, my why. It reminded me of the why. And that just re-sparked the fire. Mm -hmm. And before I knew it, I was like restarting CP here, um, getting all these catering contracts. <laughs> I mean, it's always a great way to get into the market because yes. that was something I learned from Nigeria. We would do catering with like companies like Bazudo, Great Star. We would do resident events for commercial and um, residential buildings. And people loved the product. And one day we were the Kitchen we were working out of approached us and asked us if we wanted to be part of the accelerator because they thought the product was so good. And we had this open day. There was a rep from Whole Foods who really loved the product. And nice. I was like, wait, what? Like there was a possibility we could get into Whole Foods? What? And I was ready. Like I was like, you know what? I'm ready to do this. And I think it was just coming back into that better mindset. And, and it wasn't just that. I also started doing therapy as well. You know, and I started to feel better. I started to come back to the light. I started to remember that this is what you love to do. You know, it's never been about running the business for me. It's always been about the product. And yeah. I felt like when I could step away from the business of it and go back to the product, which was my why, I started to feel better. Thank you for sharing that with us. I mean, that is just... Obviously, it's an important part of the story. It's an important part of how you 
found your way back to this. And, you know, I don't take for granted that it is a very personal and vulnerable thing to share. So thank you for sharing that with us. And I'm so inspired by how you were able to come back to the light, like you said. So once you did the accelerator and Whole Foods was interested, was there a learning curve in now packaging this product while keeping the same taste and quality and and life cycle? Absolutely. That was I mean, it's been a learning curve every day. Even until today, we're still learning. Right now, we're learning. <laughs> I'm literally at the facility learning because yeah. for every stage, as you grow, every stage is going to need a different you. It's going to need yes. a different, almost a different product even, mm-hmm. you know, a different way of doing the product. So we started in this kitchen where we just have like a small freezer. We're learning mm-hmm. that, learning how to package, learning to make sure it's ready for the shelves. Right, right. Um, learning as much as we can in this community. And we were surrounded by a community of people in the food industry. Yeah, or people in the food industry, just learning every day. I, I really love that because it's like learning from each other. And these were like people who were just like me, black owned businesses, people of like from different backgrounds as well. But I love that this time I was building the company in a way that I was really proud of yes. with a community focused approach, you know, and I was learning so much and I was growing so much. Um, and I was taking, you know, I was so amenable, taking advice and yes. being ready to do the work and, and just being able to go with the flow really quickly, make the amendments that we need to make and keep going. I saw that you also started to go after a lot more grants and things like that. What were some of the programs that you did and how did they help you to move the business forward? I think every single program I, that I've done, no matter how small it looks on the outside, has been yeah. impactful to my growth. It's all about building community. Outside of the money we've done, like Luminary, they were the ones who pushed me to do to apply to Walmart when Walmart had an open call because I thought we were too early and Walmart wouldn't care. But the founder of Luminary, she was just like, well, just throw in your application and do it anyway. And I did that. And we get an email saying, congratulations, you were selected pitch. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, and I remember going to the founder of Black Bell Ventures saying like, oh, I have to go to Walmart. I don't know. I don't know how to do this um, because we've only ever pitched to Whole Foods. And she was like, well, I can introduce you to someone at Walmart that may be able to help you. And we set up this call. We're going through everything. And he's like, just giving me some advice. And at the end of the call, I find out that he's my buyer and he's, he's who I'm pitching to. He didn't even know that. Because he thought that we were refrigerated. So yeah. he didn't know we were frozen product. Okay. So he was just trying to work with me and just mm-hmm give some advice mm-hmm. and then I at the end he just he asked me a question about my competition <laughs> and I named a few brands and he was so confused he's like wait are you frozen <laughs> and I'm like yeah <laughs> and just like, he's that, like wait a Walmart, minute wow like, wait. Like, yeah because he was telling me about the other buyer yeah. <laughs> and what to do and he turned out it was him all along <laughs> Um, what did that take, though, to go into Walmart? What does that look like from a production standpoint? Did you already have a manufacturer to make that happen? No, it was a lot like trying to raise money in time, trying to uh, find a co-packer. That didn't happen. All these things didn't even really happen. So we just had to get more people in and keep making it at the facility. We just had to do whatever we had to do to make the best of this opportunity. And those are part of the learning yes. that you learn as you begin to scale. And at what stage did you get the co-packer? Um, just before we were about to launch into Walmart, but it wasn't enough time to get the product uh, to Walmart. Okay. 
you know, so there's a deadline for everything. And we're trying to, in this world of food, like trying to figure out where's the co-packer, you know, how do you find a co-packer? Where do I even start? And that's where community comes in. People who have done it before, who can give you like the right advice about how to go about it. Because there's so many pitfalls. There's so many things that can go wrong. Mm-hmm. I remember our first run with the co-packer. The product was so grainy. I didn't know Ooh, why. Yeah. And it's like, what do I do? We can't deliver this product. Like yeah. it was a lot. And and I think that people don't understand how hard it is, especially when you're a business that's self-funded, mm-hmm. you know, and doesn't have a lot of funding. And that's why we do a lot of grants because those things help us yes. to keep growing, you know? Absolutely. I mean, that sounds like, you know, your your worst nightmare, like you finally find a co-packer and what? You're, you're not getting the formula right. I love that you were able to tap into, you mentioned Shelly from Black Girl Ventures and, you know, that community that you were able to reach out and they're like, I'll put you in touch with someone. I, I hope that resonates with someone who's listening to this. Don't be afraid to ask. More people want to help than you think. And your village is bigger than you think in this world of Black woman entrepreneurship, you guys. So please, please tap into that. So now I see, I mean, as we speak, you're actually a finalist for another kind of grant program or something like that. So I see you on your grind. So what is happening literally right now in the world of Sweet Kiwi? Like, what are you building? What's going on? What's the expansion that's happening that's requiring more and more funding? We keep growing. So we're growing into, we're launching in Giant Food next month. Wow. Uh, We're launching in CVS at the end of the quarter. Nice. Um, we just have so much growth kind of lined up. So many things happening. We're we're also trying to diversify our channels. Yes. We're looking to go into hotels, airlines, just trying to do some more partnerships, get some more brand visibility, trying to bring on more people on the team. Like up till last year, we were, it was just me and my husband. Okay. And now I think we added one more person, a finance person at the end of last year. Now we're up to five people, nice. actually six. Those are the things that we need funding that's, for. We need more people because I barely sleep. Last <laughs> oh. year I had a baby in October. Oh, congrats. Um, I was doing Black Ambition, pregnant the whole time, trying to figure yeah. out my kitchen. Wow. And I literally had a baby in October and I haven't had one day of maternity leave. Wow. Not one day. Like I'm literally breastfeeding on a call, um, yeah. <laughs> just like trying to balance everything. And I have a, a toddler as well. I have a three-year-old. Wow. You know, so... That's what we need funding for. I need to be able to say, I've had a baby. I need even a week. (laughs) Can I get a week of maternity? I can't do that right now because we're not funded. Mm -hmm. And you need to, work needs to be done. Wow. It it does. (laughs) It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. And then how do you manage what's happening with the physical locations as you're doing all of this? So I've learned to build teams. Like I think one of the great things in Nigeria was building a team that could basically take all over from me. I, okay. I really believe in empowering your people to make decisions and to work, like knowing how you do things. And I think that that's been allowed me to grow the business on this side. And one of the things I'm doing here as well is building things, okay. you know, so I can also maybe, I don't know if I'm having another baby, but I could say like, Hey, I want to take a month off just to bond with my baby. Yeah. That's it right there. Like the building of teams is so critical, so crucial. What have you learned about that as you've grown? Like what's been helpful in having success with building the right team? So I learned, I think last, end of last year or this year, this year actually, I learned one of the biggest lessons with team members. I realized 
I need to hire someone who knows more than I do. If I'm the smartest person in the room, then there's a problem. So that was my biggest lesson. So bringing on people, whether it's marketing, um, I still remember bringing on my marketing person the first time we had a meeting. I was taking notes. <laughs> I was like, what? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know I could do that. I yeah. didn't know that. I didn't know that. And I was like, wow, that was the moment where I realized you need to hire people who have more experience than you do, yes. who know more than you do. I mean, just like hanging with all the people that I are on my team now, I'm always energized, energized because I don't feel like I'm carrying the company on my back and dragging it. I feel like we're all lifting together. It makes yes. the load lighter. And I love learning. So I love the fact that I'm around people that I'm learning from daily. And that was the biggest learning for me. I need to always bring on people who are better skilled at what they do than mm -hmm. I am. Yes. And I'm going to always be going forward the least smartest person in the room. That's some quality advice right there. Um, before we jump into the lightning round, you touched a little bit on how you're scaling and things like that, but I'm curious to know, as someone who started at first with just wanting to create healthy dessert for themselves and now has this empire that you're building, what's your vision for Sweet Kiwi these days? Um, I think my vision is to basically get the products into the hands of more consumers, help people eat better and know that they have better options. We definitely want to grow this. I want to grow this into other markets, yeah. um, other countries, definitely I in Canada, definitely I in Europe. I, I definitely want to build something that lasts and, and show people also that Black people are mm -hmm. able to build businesses that are sustainable yes. and that can transcribe time and go beyond the normal expectation is. One of the things that we do or we started doing is we also started giving 1% of our profits to organizations that support Black-owned business, Black female entrepreneurs in their journey. And we just partnered with Black-owned ventures to do that. And that was something that was so important to me because I know how hard it's been for me to get to where I am. And if I can make that journey easier for someone else, I definitely want to do that. So now let's do a quick lightning round. So here's the deal. You answer the first thing that comes to mind. Keep it speedy. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. So number one, um, what is a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Black Ventures. Yes, yes. I will link to that, you guys. Speaking of that, who is a Black woman entrepreneur who you would want to switch places with for a day? Non-celebrity and Why? Founder of Miele. <laughs> oh, yes. Mayel, you know, she was on this show and yeah, she is doing the thing. Number three, what's a non-negotiable part of your day these days? Spending time with my kids. Mm, yes. Number four, what's a personal habit that you think has significantly helped you in business? Persistence and resilience. Don't yes. take no for an answer. Yes. Keep knocking on the door. It'll open eventually. And then finally, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about not having a steady paycheck? Um, I think that you, you just need to go for it. You, you can't be two ways about something. Mm -hmm. Whatever you pour your energy to, that's what grows, right? So you have to decide. It was scary for me losing my job as well. But yeah. I realized if you're going to do this, then do it. There's always room, like someone said to me, there's no such thing as a failure. 
you don't fail, you learn. Mm. Even if you go back to the old job, and that was something that I never mentioned. Yeah. There was a, at the time when I was at my lowest and I had that miscarriage, I went back to work. I went back to work for JP Morgan. My team members had become like managers at JP Morgan and they saw I was struggling and they allowed me to come back. Wow. But guess what? I, I built something. It was doing really well. I wasn't doing well. I had the opportunity to go back to a space yes. where I felt safe. Yes. And when I was good again, you know, and it was one of the most amazing times for me because was really supported by the same team members that pushed me to start my business, supporting yes. me again yes. through this dark time and just being able to get up and go to work and do something and see people that I love every day. Yes. That really helped me get out of my depression that I was in. But I didn't fail. At that time, people were like, is she closing down? She took a job with JP Morgan. Is she done? Did, she, did this fail? I didn't fail. I can take a pause. I can take yes. a break. Yes. And I can come back. Yes. And I've come back even stronger, even better, but now I'm okay. You know, there's no such thing as a failure. You only fail when you give up. Yes. You know, so you just never give up. Keep at it. Be persistent. It'll happen. Mm, mm, mm. I love that. I love that. That's it. That is so inspiring to me. I hope you guys have gotten so much out of this episode because I just think this is a masterclass in entrepreneurship right here. So, Heme, please let us know where can we keep in touch with you and Sweet Kiwi after this episode? Absolutely. You can find Sweet Kiwi at Sweet Kiwi USA. Nigerian company is at Sweet Kiwi Yogurt. And I'm at Bia Hime. Um, T-H-E-H-I-M-E. Um, okay. You can definitely reach out to me. I am very easy. Um, <laughs> love to help other female entrepreneurs. So this is how you can keep up with me. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you for being here. And you heard it here, you guys. There you have it. I'll talk to you next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six bullet Saturday newsletter at sidehustleproco newsletter. When you sign up, you will receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.